regular season is over, but the postseason is just about to begin, and in between, we have an off day. So we are here with the Cardinals Off Day podcast. I'm Ben Godar. With me, as always, is my good friend, Ben Humphrey. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Mr. Godar, uh, although I have to confess, and we'll get into this in a little more uh, in-depth later in the episode, uh, we have reached the point in the season uh, where it's very good because the Cardinals, yes. of course, have qualified for the postseason and we know who their opponent will be. Um, mm-hmm. But we we have reached the point where I look at the starting pitchers that the Cardinals will have to face, and I'm like, oh no, mm-hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> like I don't want any I don't want any part of these gentlemen. Um, and, and it happens every time the Cardinals qualify for the postseason, I have the same reaction. Uh, and that's where we are. We're, we're at the point where, uh, I am now worrying about the opposing team's threat to the Cardinals postseason chances, uh, in the form of starting pitchers. And so, uh, my anxiety is up a little bit. Oh, mine too. Um, I mean, we're at that point where every team is good and every team is only going to use their pitchers who are good. <laughs> so it's that good old three, four, five starter, uh, three game series in the middle of July where yeah. you can beat about anyone. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see any Jake Woodford starts in the postseason. Um, so uh, we'll talk a, a lot more about the postseason. That's going to be our, our focus today is kind of previewing the Cardinals postseason. But Ben, before we get into that, uh, what have you learned? Um, I have learned uh, that John Mosellock, and it's something that I learn uh, quite often, uh, but uh, I have once again learned, I think I probably first learned it with Kyle Loesch way back when, um, and folks like to rag on Scott Boris and kind of the tail wagging the dog with free agents. But folks, of course, will recall the Cardinals gave Loesch a one-year pillow contract, and then Loesch told Boris he wanted to stay with the Cardinals, and they got that contract done uh, before the end of the season. And uh, I was reminded of the fact that John Mosellock is more than willing to get some work done uh, in September and October uh, with the Giovanni Gallegos uh, contract extension. So uh, that is something to always keep in mind is that front offices and player agents often talk about extensions late in the season, just like they do in spring training. And Gallegos is the latest example of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'll, uh, I may hit on a couple thoughts I have on that a little bit later today, but in terms of what I have learned, Ben, I learned that uh, I believe in the Church of Baseball, to quote uh, Annie Savoy from uh, Bull Durham. I was lucky enough to um, get down to St. Louis over the weekend, uh, made it to the Saturday and Sunday game, and that ceremony for uh, Pujols and Yachty on Sunday, from the minute they were setting it up, I thought to myself, Basically, this this looks like they're setting up a church service here. <laughs> you know, like you had, the, <laughs> you had the you had the podium up front. You had the religious relics uh, displayed kind of behind them, and then you had the uh, you know the gallery of parishioners, both kind of the the guests there on the field, and then of course you know forty six thousand of us there in the stands. Um, but uh, you know, it was I I found it to be a pretty uh, emotional ceremony as well, and you know, frankly, more emotional than, uh, you know, church was when I was going to church. So, um, you know, it just, it reiterated for me that, you know, for those of us who, who really intensely follow baseball and follow a team, you know, we, we're, we're very devoted to the ritual of this. And, um, you know, that was a significant ritual. And uh, so um, I, I've, I've heard, I think it was probably great on TV. And, um, it was, it was really great in person too. And I was just glad I had a chance to uh, experience that. Yes, and the pictures that uh, you have shared uh, look really fantastic, uh, though not so much for the the drive home. Um, oh, so yeah. I'm I'm glad that uh, the time you spent in St. Louis proper uh, went so well because I really felt for you uh, when I learned of some of your bad fortune on the commute home. 
Yes, yes, there was a, a flat tire and some other incidents involved, but uh, we don't need to get into any of that. Uh, <laughs> we don't instead, need to relive it. <laughs> we don't need to relive it. I'm trying to block it out. Uh, no, instead, let's uh, let's dive into our main topics. And, and again, we're all we're going to be pretty playoff focused here. And um, I think the first topic we wanted to hit on was the roster. And, and Ben and I, of course, are recording this on Wednesday night. They have not officially, officially announced the roster yet, though when many of you listen, they they may have. So, um, but that said, Ben, I think it's pretty clear what they're going to do. And as I look at the the 28 men on the roster here at the, at the end of the regular season, uh, to me, I think clearly Liberatore is removed um, uh, from the pitching side. And uh, I, I kind of expect Burleson to be removed as well. Um, what, what's your expectation? Um, I think that that sounds about right. Um, for our listeners, the, you know, Marmol has played it pretty cagey, uh, both with respect uh, to who his starting pitchers are going to be. And then also who's going to be on the roster. And so it, it does leave us in a position here as we record before the off day um, that we have to speculate a little bit. Um, but based on what we've seen in reporting, it, it sounds like, Mr. Godar, the Cardinals are going to commit to that late innings. Uh, a lot of the media call it the hands team, the, the defensive Absolutely. specialists uh, who come in with a lead. And so uh, that really seems to point perhaps toward a disproportionate uh, number of uh, position players because they are apparently going to use fielders in the same way uh, you might use a closer <laughs> or a setup guy. Right. And so uh, what do you think that means, Mr. Godar? Well, and I, I did see, and I don't remember who did the reporting, but um, uh, I, Ollie kind of floated the idea that they, they might carry only 12 pitchers um, and carry an extra position player. So so he's certainly suggested that, which would be in line with what you're talking about, Ben, And in, in which case I think, you know, Burleson stays, I think almost certainly. And then, um, you know, we could talk about who the, the pitcher is that gets removed. I would tend to think it would be Woodford. Um, uh, but yes, they're, they're definitely going to go with that, that defensive closer. I think Deluzio and DeYoung are on this team. I don't see any, any version where they're not. I know last week we, we kind of, when we were speculating back then, you know, there were a couple scenarios and the scenario where those guys weren't on the team involved for Deluzio, frankly, it involved Tyler uh, O'Neill being back, which we were, we were told that he is not. You know, and for DeYoung, our, our only kind of flyer there was, well, you know, do, what if they feel like, you know, Gorman's, uh, you know, Gorman's bat is is worth kind of bringing back. But, you know, they, they didn't bring him up for the, these taxi squad games. It sounds like he was not especially impressive in Memphis. So I think we can count on Deluzio and DeYoung. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think if they, you know, that's what they'll do if they go with 12 pitchers. But Ben, I have to tell you, I feel like managers always float that and then they always keep the maximum number of pitchers they can. So I frankly kind of don't expect that to happen. What do you think? I It's interesting to me that he he seems to be, to a degree, uh, Marmol seemed to be almost thinking out loud uh, with the way it was reported. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it puts you, you know, we have a limited amount of experience dealing with Marmol statements. Right? right. And, um, and so it's tough to know how he will lean. And, and I will tell you, I, I just feel like you, the safety blanket of a Woodford type seems to me. Uh, to typically push a, a manager toward that place. Um, but we also have not had a three-game series that, that makes or breaks you before, right? Like yeah. you've had the one-game plan, which is a different animal, and then before that, and, you know, of course, after the, the one-game plan, um, 
the five game series. And so you yeah. theoretically would have more of a need for pitching in those scenarios than you would in a three game series. And yeah. so there's a part of me that feels like, well, you know, if you're going to do that, this is probably the series that you do that in. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a great point. I think we don't necessarily know how managers are going to handle these three game series. If there'll be a, a different animal from, you know, the five game or the one game series. The, the one thing I would say too, about you mentioned Woodford being a safety blanket and this, we can kind of segue into our, our next topic, which was going to be starting pitching here as well. Um, you know, it, a question I have for you, Ben, is do you, why do you need Jake Woodford and Adam Wainwright both uh, on this roster? And the answer is you don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't think there's much difference between the two at this point in time. And I know I feel really bad saying that because I really like Adam Wainwright. He's, you know, been a wonderful Cardinal for a very long time. And I really want him to go out on a high note. Uh, but it is there even a reason? I mean, to me, it's a stretch yeah. that he even has a roster spot. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and I think what you and I are are both saying without saying is that the only possible roster spot for Adam Wainwright is the sort of, you know, garbage time long man mop up guy. Um, you know, that's really the only thing that you could see him doing. I mean, you clearly can't start him at this point. And, uh, you know, I mean, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do anything in terms of a reliever, you know, he doesn't have a platoon split or something like that, that, you know, would make sense to really capitalize on, on him as a reliever. And, and I just want to say too, we're like postseason time is totally different from regular season time. So when we say, you know, Adam Wainwright is, is cooked to me, he's just cooked at the end of this season. Like he's, he's kind of in a rough spot now. doesn't really change how I feel about him. And, and that's kind of true for everybody. You know, this, we go into this, kind of have to go into this weird mindset now where, you know, we're not talking about these guys in terms of their overall value, in terms of their future value, you know, in terms of, you know, even their value over the whole season, we're talking about them right now. You know, Steven Matz is a left-handed bullpen guy right now. That's, that's all he is. And so, you know, that's how we have to look at these guys. So, and, and that's how I look at, at Wayno is, you know, if you want to keep him as the mop-up guy, I think, I think fine. And certainly that's maybe a small amount of deference to his stature that I think is reasonable, but yeah, I wouldn't keep Wainwright and Woodford. I don't really see any point in that. Yeah. It's uh, you know, our last episode, we were kind of talking about how you hope he can give you something that, and then maybe, and then maybe you would be able to, um, you know, slot him in for like a game three start so that you can catch him in Bush Stadium, you know, next time around. But I, you know, watching him and also, you know, looking into it a little more in depth, you know, I think we all recognize that his velocity was not there. Uh, what I, yeah. what I not appreciate uh, until I saw it on, uh, Twitter is that he he is tied with Lucas Giolito for the largest uh, velocity drop from April to the end of the year uh, in all of Major League Baseball. And, you know, Wainwright is proudly not a velocity guy, right? Um, but that being said, if he loses two miles per hour off of his already low velocity, what you're left with is someone with virtually no margin of error. Like he has to be spotting everything uh, consistently throughout a start, not to get lit up. And sadly enough, we have all lived through his recent starts where we've seen what happens when there is no margin of error. And yeah. you can't go into a best of three playoff game or a best of five um, playoff game, quite frankly, or playoff series, excuse me, um, with that slim a margin of error. You have to go out there with better pitchers than that. And so, 
you know, right now I would be very surprised if Adam Wainwright starts a wild card game. Um, and I think it's an open question, or at least it should be, whether he even has a roster spot. Because, I mean, about the only way you're going to use him is in mop-up duty. But in this particular set of circumstances, if you're using him in mop-up duty, you're basically throwing the game away because you cannot count on him to prevent the other team from scoring. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, he in that final start of the season, obviously they, you know, they wanted him to go, you know, I think six innings and they had to come get him. So, you know, your, your mop-up guy can't, uh, you know, does need to, you know, give you some, some innings there. And I think it's possible, and, and you're right, that velocity drop was extremely noticeable in that final start. And, uh, you know, it looks like he's, you know, hurt or he's just, you know, that, that exhaustion, you know, that, that wear, that dead arm, you know, and honestly, where are you going to draw the line between, you know, dead arm and injured? I think if they, if they don't put him on there, I think that's the graceful way to do it is just to say, you know, he's just, his arm's not right. And so he's, you know, he's injured and he's going to be off the roster. Uh, but Ben moving from kind of the very back of the, uh, you know, bullpen to the top, uh, again, as we record this, uh, Starting pitchers for the Cardinals have not been announced. They may have been announced when some of you are listening. But Ben, who do you expect to see the Cardinals start in these games? And how do you expect to see them utilize those starters? Well, we we had some interesting reporting on this. That I mean, Derek Gould on stltoday.com um, you know, I'm I and correct me if you feel that I'm uh, incorrectly paraphrasing Ben, but I mean, to me, what, what Gould was describing was basically a, a piggyback situation where the Cardinals would start, uh, probably a left-hander and then they would be, uh, it sounded to me like they would probably pull that left-hander, uh, after Harper and Schwarber. And I'm, you know, kind of injecting my interpretation into this a little bit, but they would, you know, after Quintana or Montgomery had faced Schwarber and Harper in the heart of that order, um, they would then bring in a righty, um, you know, like a Michaelis, uh, to give them perhaps another time or two through the order and then lock it down with the back end of that bullpen. Is that how you read that? Uh, well, and I, I didn't. I didn't read it as like an opener situation where they would only go, you know, one inning. But I oh, definitely right. got got the, yeah more. But like you're talking more like maybe one time through the order, or you know, one one and a third times through the order, um, or, you know, or even that or even like two and a third is kind of what I thought yep. right, um, right. we might be looking at, and then. Yep. Depending on how they looked, like I, I could totally yeah. see Marmol going like full Tony Larusa 2011. Like it's the third inning, you have a lot of base runner, you're out. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. you know, like yeah. we're done here, uh, and yeah. and go and get him. Um, and so, uh, and and to be for full transparency, I mean, I started harping on Mike Matheny about that in 2012, that he was not being enough, uh, like, uh, 2011, Tony LaRusso in the postseason. So I would be all in favor of that. Um, but it's a, it's a tight rope to walk and it is, uh, particularly risky if you are going to go with more position players than pitchers, because you're not going to be able to mix as mix and match, uh, pitching and, uh, hitter, matchups and platoon splits as much if you have fewer uh you know fewer pitchers in the bullpen to draw from for those matchups and so you know that's why i was kind of interested in the hands team like how much value do you think you're getting out of paul DeYoung on defense you know uh over say brendan donovan and you know like a a donovan edmund alignment right like yeah but i think part of that i think part of that is just that you know like what are the you know what are the alternatives like who are they leaving at 
at AAA that that really would be a meaningful improvement. And I don't really think there is anybody at this point. I mean, with you know O'Neill is hurt. Uh, you know, Gorman just, you know, seems to be not, not clicking at this point in the season. So um, with, with, I, so I, with not having better options, I think, yeah, it makes sense to keep the hands team uh, up there, but, but getting back to, you know, pitching um, I mean, I, I expect Quintana and Michaelis to start the first two games. Um, and so would, would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I would be surprised if they went Quintana Montgomery because uh, Michaelis yeah. has been their guy. Marmol has yeah. been talking him up all season. Like, I would be yeah. surprised if Michaelis doesn't start game one. Like, I feel I, I like, agree. you know, that's, yeah, that's the most I, likely. And, and here's what I think is interesting about that is, you know, f- f- with that idea that they're, you know, going to potentially – you know, go to another starter a little early to take advantage of platoon advantages. You know, if you start Michaelis and Quintana, you got a right-hander and a left-hander. And who are your other two starting pitchers? Flaherty and Montgomery, a right-hander and a left-hander. So you really have, you know, a good opportunity there to, um, you know, to, to do exactly what, what you talked about and bring one of these guys in a little earlier than you would, you know, maybe pull one of these starters in the regular season to take advantage of the platoon splits, you know, but still get a couple innings out of these guys. My only thought is, you know, you can't do that in both games, right? You can't go, you know, Michaelis and then go to Montgomery in game one and Quintana and go to Flaherty in game two, because then who's going to start game game three. Um, So I kind of feel like, we're going to see Flaherty or Montgomery kind of tag in in one of these games. But I think they're going to hope that either Michaelis or Quintana goes long enough, you know, and or, you know, the Cardinals have enough of a lead that they can leave them in there, that they can save one of Flaherty or Montgomery. And then that guy's going to start game three. That's, you know, if needed. That's my expectation. What, what do you think? I think that sounds uh like it's about right. Um, you know, if they lose game one, though, I I would not be surprised to see Marmol just go scorched earth in game two. You know, like just whatever he thinks um, will win that game. That's what yeah. he's going to do. You know, yeah. and, well, you, I mean, you have to, you have to. Yeah. And because there's no tomorrow. Right. Like there's no yeah. point in unless unless you're Mike Matheny and you're a very stupid human being. Right. Like I'm going to yeah. save Trevor Rosenthal for tomorrow or for the save yeah. situation, uh, I think actually yeah. is what his reason was. So I'm going to go with Michael Waka, who hasn't pitched in a month. Um, yeah. But so well, what 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 I think Marmol's going to do, I, I think he would recognize the urgency of the situation. And then we might actually get an Adam Wainwright start in game three. Well, or, you know, what about the possibility of a, of a bullpen start? Because if you, you know, I mean, this is a pretty good bullpen at this point, and it's got a number of guys that can go two innings, you know, Gallegos, Helsley, Hicks, they've all gone multiple innings, you know, Matt's hasn't, but of course he is a starting pitcher. So, you, you know, if, if he's, if he's, you know, built back enough that he could possibly give him, you know, if you get two or three of those guys, um, you know, giving you a couple innings, you plug in another, you know, bullpen guy or two. I'm just saying if you had to go totally scorched earth in game two and you've basically burned through your starting pitching, you know, I think they've got a, I mean, I think they could field a competitive bullpen game if they had to. I certainly don't think that's their plan. Definitely not plan A, but you know, it, uh, it's a, a possibility. Yeah, I I think you're right. Uh, I think the Cardinals have intentionally pivoted away from the rigid uh, capital B baseball capital M man approach. Uh, you know, the the guy who who reads the Gospel of George Kissel every night before he goes to bed. And they've gotten rid of that and brought in someone who is not beholden to the way things have always been done. And I think that's very liberating. And, you know, it it could potentially help this team uh, in a a way that is similar to the the manner in which it helped the Padres in the 2020 uh, playoff, (laughs) which, Mm -hmm. of course, uh, they 
uh, frustratingly uh, went through the Cardinals with the bullpen game and the Cardinals were unable to get anything going on offense and the Padres won. And you have to wonder living through that as the front office, whether that maybe impacted the way they look at in-game tactics and what a manager needs to be doing in the front office manager relationship. And we'll never know that, but it's, uh, it will be very interesting to see if Marmol is more like Schilt and Matheny, which I don't think he will be, or if he will be more like 2011 Tony Larusa, which I really anticipate him him being more on yeah, that I think, side. I think all signs throughout the season have been that you know Marmol is 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 very different than than those guys in that respect. And I would be really surprised if that changed in the playoffs. I'd be really surprised if he said if he announced Adam Wainwright was pitching game one and he is our guy and he's we're, we're sticking with him for eight innings come hell or high water. I don't feel like that's the case. Whereas with uh, Matheny and Schilt, eh, they might have done that and in several cases did do that. Um, but Ben, we've been kind of alluding to some things that, you know, situations the Cardinals might find themselves in. So let's let's go move ahead and actually talk about the, the Phillies. So I just for some kind of framework for folks, I just kind of took a look at their their season long team stats in, in a variety of areas, the two teams. Obviously, what matters is how you're playing now, but but still for context, uh, offensively, you've got two very good teams in terms of weighted runs created plus. The Cardinals fifth in Major League Baseball, Phillies ninth. In terms of starting pitching, uh, Phillies have a clear advantage there. The Phillies are ninth, Cardinals 17th. When you get to the bullpen, the Cardinals rank 10th, the Phillies rank 24th. And the Phillies are actually 29th in the second half. And then in terms of defense, Ben, I don't know if you know this, but the Phillies are not good at defense. Um, the, <laughs> the Cardinals, uh, in terms of outs above average, rank fourth. The Phillies rank 29th. The Cardinals are plus 23. The Phillies are minus 37. So, um, you know, uh, if, if we're going to tail the tape it here, um, you know, the, the Cardinals, I, I think you'd have to say, have the, have a, you know, a slight advantage, more or less a toss up in terms of offense, but a pretty clear advantage in terms of the bullpen and defense and uh, Phillies, you have to give the edge in starting pitching. Um, what, 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 how do you look at this matchup? Um, well, I, we talked about it a little bit on past episodes and I don't want to belabor the point. Um, I am very excited about it. Uh, because it reminds me of like a WWE matchup where you have a really fast athletic wrestler against a really big strong wrestler because of the way they've approached their roster construction. And so, uh, you know, it's one of those things where the Cardinals will be playing with fire because the Phillies can hit the ball. You know, they're good at that. Um, they also have good starters, but if the Cardinals can uh, grind down Nola and Wheeler and get into that bullpen, they're going to give themselves a chance uh, in the middle and late innings to win these games. And so, you know, just looking at this matchup, I feel good about the Cardinals' chances. Um, but it being October, even though Major League Baseball starter usage has evolved quite a bit, you know, it is also not hard to envision like the Phillies beating the Cardinals in two games, getting seven plus innings from their starting pitchers of like zero or one run ball. You know, right. like it's, it, it is definitely scary to look at, at those first two games and, and the matchups and think about what, they could mean for the Cardinals. Yeah. And you know, we've talked about it and the thing about the postseason is it's just, it's such a small number of games, right? And we're talking about three games here. Like it's, it's very easy to imagine either one of these teams blowing the other team out. And, you know, if they played the next weekend, you might have the opposite result. So um, it's, it's definitely going to be a a toss up. I, I do feel like Ben, I think in the postseason we have a tendency to really reduce the game down to the mono e mono pitcher versus pitcher. 
And I know that, you know, studies have shown that actually pitching has maybe less impact in the postseason. So like, like uh, you know, being a better offense is more predictive of your postseason success than having good starting pitching is. I, and I, I should have brought it up. I don't have the exact like study in front of me, but um, uh, somebody smart found that out. Uh, so, you know, and, and I so I think um, I, I guess I, I take some solace in that. Right. And and, uh, you know, we don't we don't know that these two scary starters are going to, you know, shut the Cardinals down, but it's, uh, it's definitely a possibility. Yes. I, you know, we don't know. And, and it, and it could be, you know, the Phillies fans, um, are feeling, uh, just as trepidatious about their bullpen, right? Like Mm -hmm. they're, they're anticipating, uh, you know, the, the same type of kind of doom to come by way of their bullpen. And so, um, you know, that's totally understandable or via their defense because they do not have a good, um, they don't have a good defense at all. And, you know, some of the highlights that have come across on Twitter, you know, it's, uh, (laughs) it is, uh, it is really ugly and and not yeah. Cardinals baseball that we've grown accustomed to over the last few years. It's more akin to Mike the Mike Matheny, the end of the Mike Matheny era where the Cardinals would throw the ball around. And so if you're if you're giving up bases, if you're giving up base runners because of bad defense, you know that that could very well come back to bite you in the postseason as well. And so um, you know there there are lots of ways that you could see this series breaking. Um, but you know, the Phillies have that traditional, uh, very good number one and very good number two starter. And that looms even larger in a three game series than it would in a five game or a seven game. Yeah, you're right. And, and traditional is a good word to use there. I mean, it is more of the model that we're used to seeing, but I mean, the Cardinals are certainly wagering that, you know, if you tape, Jose Quintana and Jack Flaherty together in exactly the right order, you can effectively, um, you know, match that. And I also think, you know, we're focusing on or kind of dreading this version where the the Phillies dominate with their starting pitching, because that's probably the most likely um, storyline, you know, where the Cardinals lose. Um, but of course, we can just as easily imagine, uh, you know, Phillies bullpen implosions. Or, um, you know, defensively, it's, you know, it's easy to imagine just ball after ball falling in the gap because the fat, slow Philadelphia Phillies defenders can't, you know, can't get there in time. So um, I certainly hope one of those things, uh, (laughs) one of those things happens. Um, You know, Ben, something else I was thinking uh, about this series. This is the first time the Phillies have, have been in the playoffs since the Cardinals eliminated them in 2011 in such a dramatic way. And, and especially since that, the, you know, that Phillies team was, was the favorite um, and, and had been, you know, not, not quite a dynasty, but, you know, had, had been a very strong team for several years and, and won a world series. Um, are you concerned about that? Because the uh, it's, it's definitely a good narrative on the Philadelphia side for them to vanquish the Cardinals upon their return to the postseason, uh, I am a little bit, uh, to be sure, uh, just because that series was so hard fought and good, and that Phillies team was so good throughout the regular season. Um, but I have also come to adopt the Clint Eastwood from Unforgiven. Uh, take on the postseason. And, you know, Ben, you will recall him telling Gene Hackman's character that deserves got nothing to do with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that Phillies team in 2011 deserved better, but it's the Major League Baseball postseason and deserves got nothing to do with it. Absolutely. Um, you know, by that same token, the 2004 St. Louis Cardinals deserve better than what they got in the World Series, but deserves has got nothing to do with it. And so uh, I am a little bit worried, but these two teams, you know, this does not feel like a baseball gods bring karma to St. Louis matchup. 
mm-hmm. if, if you know what I mean, like this Cardinals team yeah. is good, but they're not that good. Um, they're not that much better than the Phillies that the Phillies beating them in a three game series would be surprising in any way. Right. Wouldn't. Right. And so um, I, I was a little bit worried about some of these potential karmic matchups and you know, theoretically, uh, Ben, down the road, we could face the Mets, who the Cardinals famously eliminated in 2006, yeah. or the Padres, yeah. who the Cardinals also eliminated in 2006. And I will never forget for the rest of my life, Mike Piazza dropping the foul ball uh, from Pujols and Pujols hitting a home run, uh, then later in the same at bat. <laughs> well, and that I, kind I, of I, felt like it changed the whole series. And so we have all of yeah. these kind of baseball karma scenarios that could unfold in this postseason yeah well i i hope the cardinals face the mets because number one it means that the cardinals have made it to the nlcs and number two it means that the mets have beaten the dodgers so (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean that's that that, that's uh that's ideal i think um yeah any other thoughts you know looking ahead i mean obviously if they you know they get past the phillies we know now they'd be facing the Braves. I was really hoping the Mets would hang on because I think the Braves are clearly a better team <laughs> than the Mets. Yes. Yes. Uh, I don't really want anything to do with the Braves. Of course, I also don't want anything to do with the Mets either. I mean, it's that time of the yeah. year. Um, yeah. But that Braves yeah, but team Braves, is so good. Oh, like just top to I mean, bottom. Every every. Position player is like forty percent above league average, and every pitcher is forty percent above league average, and they're all twenty-four years old and have been signed to a twelve-year contract already. So it's they're they're the 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 Braves are fully terrifying, and and not just this year, they're like terrifying for like five. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's what I'm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Or ten. I mean, so many of those guys are on really long contracts. It's there. I mean, that. That you're going to be looking at that team for a long time. I mean, it's great for those fans. I mean, what a cool thing to really kind of know that you've got those guys uh, locked in. But uh, yeah, it would have been would have been nice to uh, to face the uh, the Mets instead. Who you just you just know they're going to Mets. It's it's it. it's great for the Braves fans who boo Native American Ryan Helsley for saying that they shouldn't do the tomahawk chop. Really great for them. Happy for them. Um, yeah, that's and true. I'm being that's sarcastic true. because what a bunch of dirt balls. Yep. 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 So Ben, uh, here's a, here's a question for you. Uh, where do you bat Albert Pujols in the batting order? Uh, Albert Pujols should bat third and not for old times sake. Uh, he is, uh, just on another level right now. And, uh, to help illustrate this, Ben, I have a pop quiz for you. Uh, which you're, it, and I say pop quiz because for our listeners, Ben had no idea I was going to do this to him. True. Um, so you, you never tell me when you're going to give me a quiz. You've never no, given me a quiz. no. <laughs> it's it's always it's more fun. It's it's more riveting entertainment for Absolutely. our listeners if if you don't know what's coming, uh, Ben, or I, if I, I don't, I, because you have given me a, a quiz or two, and it's more true. fun for everyone if the person who is taking the quiz does not know what is coming. So uh, for our listeners, weighted runs created plus is a stat that Fangraphs uses to measure offensive production. 100 is league average. Every uh, point above uh, 100 is a percentage point better than league average. And it's based on everything a batter does. Walks, hits, homers, Ks. It's it's all in there, and it's also park adjusted. So it takes into account like the Cardinals play in a more pitcher friendly ballpark in yep. St. Louis than the Rockies do in Denver. So yes. uh, Ben uh, Albert Pujols does not have enough plate appearances to qualify for the batting title. Right? He has he has three hundred and fifty one, and so uh, he he doesn't show up on the leaderboards. But if we adjust the leaderboards so that we start with those who have 300 or more plate appearances. Uh, mm-hmm. Albert Pujols is quite good. And so uh, I wanted to, to ask you a few quiz questions of whether or not Albert Pujols has had a better 2022 season at the plate 
than the players I will name. Okay. I like it. I like it. Kind of an over under thing. I'm into it. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, my first one is Nolan Arenado. Oh, man, I'm going to say Pujols. It was a trick question. They're tied. Uh, I should have saved the trick question, uh, but they they were right there in front of me, and it was the first one that I wrote. Um, And so Albert Pujols has hit as well as Nolan Arenado at the plate this year. They're tied. All right. My next uh, person is Juan Soto. Oh, I I mean, Soto really kind of slumped at least the first lengthy stretch there in San Diego. So I'm going to say Pujols. You are correct. Albert Pujols at 151 weighted runs created plus Juan Soto, 146. My next yeah, question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he had such a terrible slump that he only had a 146 weighted runs created plus. Uh, I, think it, I think his on-base percentage might have dipped below 400 at one point there. Yes, uh, but only for a little while because he finished, right. uh, I yeah, think, for, at 403. For, for, for like um, an hour. Yes. Uh, my next player is Mookie Betts. Oh, my goodness. You know, Mookie Betts is one of my favorite players. Talk about a guy that can just do everything. Um, love that guy. But uh, I'm, you know what, though? Um, I'm going to say Pujols. You are correct. Pujols, 151, bets 145. Uh, now, what about uh, former Angels teammate Mike Trout? Oh, man. I mean, I would say Mike Trout, of course, but I do know he was injured this year. I think he was a little bit less effective. And I think it's such an obvious thing to say Mike Trout I think it's somewhat of a trick question. I think the answer is going to be Pujols. I, I three-dimensional chest you on this one uh, because Mike, <laughs> Trout, <laughs> Mike Trout is at uh, 173 to Pujols' is 151. Uh, Mike Trout but, is at 391, Ben. It's yeah. a reminder that he's <laughs> better than every player has ever been. Uh, what about uh, Freddie Freeman? Well, so I've been guessing Pujols on all of these, but Freeman had a monster season, um, especially came on late. Um, unless this is one of those things where every answer is going to be Pujols, uh, which it might be, but I'm gonna, on this one, I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to say Freeman. You are correct, but it's pretty close. Uh, Freeman is yeah. at 155. Pujols is at 151. You know, that, that that's not much uh, distance between them. Right. Um, what about uh, all-star break sensation, and really uh, a sensation for the whole season, Julio Rodriguez for the Seattle Mariners? Um, I, I know that he cooled somewhat in the second half, not not bad by any means. So I'm going to say Pujols. And you would be correct. Pujols 151, Rodriguez 145. Uh, what about... Uh, Shohei Otani. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I feel like the answer to any question that involves Shohei Otani should be Shohei Otani, but uh, I, I'm, I'm sure they're really close. Uh, I'm going to say it's actually Pujols. I'm going to guess Otani was something more like 147. Uh, he was 143 uh, to Pujols' oh, okay. 151. Uh, and, and these, this hasn't been updated after game 162, but you know, they're not going to move more than like a percentage point one way or the other. Um, so Pujols is the winner there. Uh, what about a player the Cardinals will face this weekend? Bryce Harper. Uh, I'm going to say Pujols. You would be correct. And it's not terribly close. Pujols 151. Harper, 139. Last one, Pujols and MVP candidate from San Diego, Manny Machado. Um, I am going to, I I mean, this one's tough too, because Machado, I know is up there too, but I think Machado 
the defensive value is part of what's putting him quite so high up there. Um, I know he's played third down and everything. So I'm still going to say it's Pujols. I, I, I have bookended my quiz with trick questions. Machado and Pujols are the same. 151. Okay. Okay. But okay. they are both. So just now that we have completed the pop quiz, and you did very well, uh, Mr. Godard. Thank you. But Thank you. I wanted to share Pujols' overall rank. And it is ninth. And it's actually tied for seventh because he tied with Arenado and Machado. So Albert Pujols in the 2022 season, if you adjust the qualifying threshold to 300 plate appearances, has been the ninth most productive batter in Major League Baseball. And and way better than that uh, in the second half. In the second half, He's he's been dynamite and he's led the majors and homers even uh, if I yeah. if I remember correctly. So all well, of that's, this that's what's really oh, oh go, go ahead. ahead no go well, ahead that's what that, that's what's really crazy is that you you know you weren't giving us his second half numbers there no for quite a while we were we were all kind of starry eyed at his second half numbers but that incorporates you know those first couple months of the season when he basically looked like he was like at like a MTV Rock and Jock celebrity softball game out there you know he did not look uh you know impressive at all so all of those at bats are lumped into there you know and he still performed that way uh, and and as we talked about we said a couple times you know you get to the playoffs it's not about who, what are these guys value overall or in the future going forward? You know, I mean, overall is, is Paul Goldschmidt, uh, you know, a, probably a better hitter than Albert Pujols, you know? Yeah. And going forward. Yeah. You'd, you'd say that, but right now, like, I mean, you're, if you don't want Pujols up, you're crazy. Right. And the other thing about this, Ben, is you, we have seen lineups over the last month where it's like, Donovan Newtbar, Donovan Edmond. And the question to me really is, who do you want to have more plate appearances in make or break games? Paul Goldschmidt, Albert Pujols, and Nolan Arenado, or Tommy Edmond and Lars Newtbar? And that's not to insult Newtbar or Edmond. It's just to say, if I have a choice between you know, say Donovan or Edmund leading off, depending on the starter, and then yeah. Goldschmidt, Pujols, Arenado, uh, or, you know, a different one-two combination, and then Goldschmidt, Arenado, Pujols, I'm I'm going to go with Goldschmidt second, Pujols third, Arenado fourth. Uh, yes. And because I think that gives the Cardinals a better chance to win because it gets those three top 10 offensive performers, more plate appearances. A hundred percent. And I would say I, to me, I think that's doubly true against veterans like Wheeler and Nola. Um, You know, I think those are guys who could take advantage of, you know, a new bar or a Donovan. Um, You know, I just, I just think some of that kind of veteran savvy and approach could really come through there. Whereas, you know, your Goldschmidt, your Pujols, your Arenado, you know, they can kind of match that veteran savvy with their own and, and um, you know, come up there with a good approach. They've seen some things, you know, they can uh, probably adjust more quickly, uh, et cetera. Um, ben, uh, we uh, I think we've we've uh, we've reached the end here. I did want to do a quick hit on the Gallegos extension because I I uh, I frequently uh, complain of, uh, or, or you know, state my mantra really that you should never pay for relief pitching. And so when when this was announced, several people actually like tagged me on Twitter, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like uh, you know, because obviously this is the the kind of thing that I rail against. And I did actually post after his like disaster outing the other day when he walked the bases loaded. I pasted, I posted a just, you know, extremely snarky, you know, shit post about that. Um, but that's just because I'm, I'm trash as a human being. <laughs> but um, if I'm being fully honest with folks, this is not an extension that I have any trouble with at all. You know, this is not going out and signing a, a free agent guy and kind of paying a market value, you know, for a guy who was a good relief pitcher last year. That's that, to me, that's the real disaster. Um, you know, the Cardinals, they bought out two arbitration years. And anytime you do that, you're basically just kind of you're, you're locking in a price for those two years 
And, you know, you were going to pay the next year's arbitration. You know, you're going to go to arbitration next year anyway. So all you're really locking in is one extra guaranteed year that you potentially have to pay. It's only $11 million guaranteed. So, you know, if he if he blew up next season, it's a relatively small amount you have locked in. Plus, they do get a team option at $6.5 million, which, you know, if Gallegos can keep performing as a solid end of the rotation guy, six point five million for that kind of guy is th- that's in okay range. You know, you're not in like, you know, Brett Cecil, Andrew Miller, thirty million dollar territory there. So for the book, I'm I'm fine with a Gallegos extension. How how do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm okay with it. And and just to make rehash uh, what it is it's guaranteed 11 million dollars over two years which are the two arbitration seasons that you're talking about and then there's a a club option uh for 2025 uh with incentives or uh some folks call them escalators that that could take it to a a 20 and a half million dollar contract over three seasons which is less than $7 million a year for a reliever who has consistently been very good uh, since he came to the Cardinals in the Luke Voigt trade. So good that as a reliever, he has posted more fan graphs win above replacement than Luke Voigt has posted as a first baseman and and a designated hitter, Um, which which is pretty remarkable. Yeah, Luke Voigt still leads in chest above replacement, though. Oh, He's, well, yeah, it, his is like two barrels. It's like a two barrels above replacement chest. That's how barrel-chested right. he is. And, he, and, he, and he's got nine buttons open on his shirt, too. So you you definitely have the opportunity to see that. But, but that's a really good point about the contract. And I would say, frankly, that's just a great team contract anyway. If you're talking about an $11 million guarantee, it can potentially go up to 20, but all the things that would make it go up to 20 are good things for the Cardinals, right? Because yes. he's hitting incentives and escalators, and then you decide to exercise your team option. So it's, I mean, that's a really good contract. You, you, you know, at most you're out $11 million, you know, if, if he washes out, which is not much. And you, you, you moat for $20 million, you may get, you know, quite a bit more value out of it. Yes. No, that, that is a, a very good read on it. And this sort of tracks with uh, the conversation that we've had where we, we've kind of wondered, you know, with this age of the super contract, if we're going to see more incentive-based contracts with club options, and this is more of an old school contract, um, but it, it, it is one of those where you can almost talk about it in a way similar to an NFL contract where it's what is guaranteed versus what could the value ultimately be. And the value that it could ultimately be worth is good for everyone, right? Like it means that Gallegos pitched very well, the Cardinals exercise the option and he has earned all of this money based, uh, you know, about a, about a third of it, uh, maybe a little bit more than a third, about 40% of it based on his performance. And so uh, that would be great for the Cardinals. It would be good for Gallegos. uh, And it also gives him some financial security. So I think this contract is a win-win for player and club. Uh, It also rewards a good performer, which I think is a good thing for clubhouse and organizational culture. Players see this we, and they see the team will will make good with a player who has performed, you know. I, I think we just have to hope that Gallegos can still perform well next year when the pitch clock comes into play because that is, uh, <laughs> that is very much going to mess with his mojo out there. That, that is a big X factor. Uh, Gallegos has to, has to pitch more than once every 40 seconds. Oh. Uh like one of one of the worst pitchers to watch on the Cardinals uh, currently without a pitch I've, clock. I've I've never had a guy before that like where they bring him into the game. I'm both like excited, but also like, ugh. you know, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, when it's like the seventh and you know they maybe get a couple guys on base and there's you know two outs and they bring Gallegos in. It's like, oh, this is per- the perfect time. They're going to Gallegos just a bit early, but you know, that he's going to get him out of this jam, but also I have to watch this now. So, 
anyway, uh, I feel like we've ragged on Gallegos before. We should probably cut him a little slack. Uh, ben, I think we're rolling into the the closing gates here. So uh, as we approach the playoffs, definitely a, a three-game series and hopefully more. Uh, what are you going to be watching for? Uh, we have already touched on it. Um, I am going to be looking at how quick Oliver Marmol is with taking players out of the game, both starting pitchers and position players. How aggressive is he? How aggressively will he manage based on the game state? And I think that's going to tell us a lot about uh, him as a manager and the front office's philosophy with respect to in-game tactics, because I think he is going to be doing this uh, in concert or in collaboration with the front office. So that's what I'm going to be looking for. Excellent. Excellent. Um, yeah. And, and likewise, we, we've really kind of hit on what I talked about, but um, I'm really going to be looking for the hot hand, um, you know, which is a, a term we're here, th- here thrown around. And during the regular season, it's something that I generally sort of, you know, dismiss because of course, over the length of the rate of the regular season, you know, no hand stays hot, right? So, um, but uh, in the playoffs, it can be a pretty big deal. So, um, and, and you know, every every playoffs, it seems like you have a you have a hitter, you have a pitcher who just you know comes you know, you know performs well above what you what you think they're gonna they're gonna do. Um, I have a feeling that that could be like Brendan Donovan. Doesn't Brendan Donovan just feel like the kind of guy that could just have like a, an insane postseason? Yeah, he he could go the the full Lemke. Yeah, uh, right, it, it right. feels or, like you know they, hit four hundred, have like a five hundred on base percentage. Ben, I don't know if you saw this. They renamed the full Lemke. It's now the full of Rosarina. So um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't anyway. I don't know if uh, Donovan's got enough bat speed to go the full of Rosarina. I'm I'm uh, or, I'm joking. Or, or, I'm or joking. The, or the boots, for that matter. So, yes. Uh, uh, anyway, I'm going to be watching for the hot hand. Uh, Ben, uh, last thing up, I think, do you, do you have an, an off day recommendation for folks? Yes, uh, I do. Um, Eno Saris had a really good post on the athletic about his stuff plus metric and, and also, uh, combined with interviews he has done on, um, on stuff plus, and then also, you know, kind of with what the pitchers are trying to do with individual pitchers. And, uh, it came out earlier this week. Uh, it was a really good article and I highly recommend, uh, folks read it because I think it is, uh, representative of when, uh, kind of advanced analytics, uh, is at its best. And that's when it's it's being critical of itself, and also engaging players uh, where they are uh, with respect yeah. to these uh, types of advanced metrics. And it's a it is a really really excellent article. It's uh, in his Cot Looking series, and the title is Max Scherzer on Pitching Analytics and Kyle Schwarber on His Low Average. Very good article. I highly recommend folks read it. I will check that out. Uh, I'm going to recommend that folks uh, watch the 2011 World Series movie, uh, or at least a portion of it. Uh, that f- uh, film does uh, have, of course, a segment on the Cardinals-Phillies series from uh, 2011 and that epic final game of that series, Chris Carpenter um, versus Roy Halladay. In fact, if you own the DVD, that, that that entire game is on the DVD. And I would actually suggest watching that, Ben. It's like an hour and 59 minutes long. And and I I do not typically rewatch baseball games. I have rewatched that game. Um, and I mean, it's just a delight <laughs> to watch. It's it was just it was such a beautiful game. Obviously, it ended so well for the Cardinals, so poorly for the Phillies. Led to a Cardinals World Series. I feel like that could give everyone some some good feels 
rolling into another series against the Phillies. I do know the whole World Series movies up on YouTube, so you can you can find it there if you don't have the the DVD or Blu-ray. Um, ben, anything else before we wrap it up? Uh, no. Uh, if you have your personal rituals or family rituals to bring about some devil magic or good luck or make yeah, sure or, you, or satanic uh, rituals <laughs> or satanic <laughs> rituals uh make sure that you do them uh i will be getting some sprinkled donuts on friday morning and probably buying a pack of tops baseball cards uh before the game begins in the hopes that it brings the cardinals some luck and i encourage you to do the same well, I think I will join you on buying some sprinkled donuts just because that sounds pretty good. So, um, but yes, absolutely. I hope people uh, have fun on this off day in anticipation. Um, and then I hope, of course, we uh, we enjoy the, the, the short series. And, and hopefully when we're back with you again, we're, uh, we're previewing another round in the playoffs. But we'll, we'll see. Um, but until then, uh, thank you as always for listening. Thanks to Devon for the music. Thanks to Dan for doing our social media. Go Cardinals. Go Cardinals!